Hello and welcome to No Homers Podcast, an unofficial Simpsons podcast. I am your co-host, Nico Aldridge, and with me today is my other co-host. <laughs> Michael Byers, the most technically inept person on the planet. It's okay, I just messed that one up too when I was talking, so we, we can both be inept. <laughs> So, um, this is our second time recording an intro. Luckily, this time we only got a few minutes into the uh, the episode before we had to restart, which is yeah, why we, we're restarting. We have a running theme of me forgetting to hit the record button, but what's annoying is this time I did hit the record button, it just stopped itself at some point. And I guess I should have done the smart thing and listened to where it left off and picked up from there. But I uh, just rage deleted the entire clip and said, fuck it, let's start over. So, yeah, I, it's, it's totally understandable. And we only had like three minutes recorded, so it's not a big deal. Um, three, that three minutes was gold. It was such, such gold. Um, just a full disclosure, we are recording the next two episodes um, at the same time. So we are not going to have a what we've been watching section uh, for episode uh three it'll be this is our second episode now um yeah so let's just dive right into that then what what have you been watching michael okay i've been uh me and amanda have been watching a lot of modern family and uh i know you told me you haven't seen it and what i think the comedy writing on this show is fantastic um it, it it consistently makes me laugh and uh that's rare when a tv like you can throw on any any episode and it'll make you laugh like there are some narrative wise that are better than others but there's always jokes that make me laugh uh my biggest gripe is completely technical where um the first couple you know it's in the style of kind of like the mockumentary like the office was uh and the first couple episodes the pilot and everything they did that really well and they made it made you aware this is what's going on um, and I feel like the creators, and I, I could, I'm, I'm speaking completely from opinion here. I don't know, uh, but I feel like the creators probably thought, well, we don't want we we the shows we, we like doing this show, but we've already like set ourselves up with this style. We can't completely abandon it, but they draw as little attention as possible to it. So it's still shot like that, but they make it. Like, they downplay the whole mockumentary angle as much as possible. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that they kind of, like, got rid of that, I guess, uh, concept. And not really concept, but the uh, explanation for it. Yeah, and I'd be curious if it ever comes up again, but uh, the show is a lot of fun. It's uh, some of the directors on uh, Workaholics. They occasionally ch- come up and uh, direct on this show as well. Oh, cool. And a couple of the co-stars of Workaholics also uh, pop up on this as well. But what I think is really interesting is the fact that uh, Brian Cranston directs episodes for this TV show. Really? He, he's popped up as a, as a guest star before, but like he directs episodes for it. And I find that really interesting. I, I do too. That's, wow. I, I didn't realize he directed ever. Yeah, I think he did some he did some directing back on Malcolm in the Middle, and he might have done an episode or two of Breaking Bad. I could be wrong. I I I have not finished Breaking Bad yet, so I might be getting that oh, wrong. Oh, you need it. You need to finish that. Show. I I'm aware. I've been <laughs> but uh, it's uh, the uh, that's the I guess default response to anyone who says they haven't seen Breaking Bad or haven't finished it. Yeah, but then I'll just bring up a TV show that they haven't seen and make them feel bad. But but Breaking Bad is different. It's <laughs> different. Damn it! You need to see it. 
See, this is the exact reason I haven't watched it yet, because I'm sick of hearing this. Yeah, I, I was the same way, though. I I got sick of uh, people always telling me I need to watch it. And it was one of those things where I think for dramatic shows, I kind of prefer to just binge watch the whole series. Um, so I, was, I just waited until, like, the last season aired and, like, binge watched the whole series and then finally got to watch the last episode as it aired. And I think what rubbed me the wrong way about it, going off Modern Family completely, is like I got sick of like everyone, even people who don't like really appreciate good television, tell mm-hmm. me how of a masterpiece it is. Like my my brother was usually stoned the entire time he was watching it and barely paid attention, was falling asleep through most episodes, and he'd tell me it's the best show on television. It's like now it's just hype. Like I'm sure it's a fantastic show, but now it's like now everyone it's just there's a bandwagon mentality to it. Yeah. And it it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, there's a lot Same of... Same thing of Game of Thrones, honestly. But I, I'm I wearing a Game of Thrones shirt, by the way. Of that. I watched the entire first season, and I just didn't get into it. So I gave really? that one a try. Hmm. I would be... Huh. I, I would love to have like a whole conversation about Game of Thrones with you, but this is not the uh, podcast. This is not the, the No Hodor <laughs> podcast. Um... And, and then uh, I've also, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to lose a lot of like my, my respect right now because I'm talking about like uh, what the merit of what makes a good TV show, but yet I've been like completely obsessed with MTV's Scream. Oh yeah, that was the other one <laughs> you're talking about. And like, it's not, it's not a good show. It's not quality, uh, but it's just like pure pop- popcorn for me. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, it's something I don't really have to focus a whole lot on, but what I find really interesting is there's it's obviously it's it makes sense because it's based on a film that was um you know uh i don't want to say lampooning or spoofing at all but like poking all the holes in in slasher films but the first couple episodes felt like so homage to slasher films like i was like oh this scene feels like friday the 13th this scene feels like my bloody valentine this (laughs) scene feels like prom night and it was so much fun for that reason and it jumps all over the place and uh they've been getting super talented directors I told you the first time we recorded this intro that they got Rodman Flender, best known for the film uh, Idle Hands, which I absolutely love. Uh, they also got um, a Ty West, director of House of the Devil, The Sacrament, uh, Innkeepers, you know, really talented directors. I think they even... House of the Devil is one of the best horror movies, I think, of like the last 10 years. If I anyone listening agree. to this hasn't seen it, like just it's, I think it's on Netflix. Go watch yeah, it. Stop listening and go watch that film. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic and that uh i think they even got some uh, one of the directors from uh hannibal to do an episode that's a show two. i need to watch i have, have you seen it? Is it any good it's uh i haven't watched the most recent season yet but uh it's probably the most i'd say the most artistic television show on te- on tv oh, nice. like the uh, brian fuller the uh the showrunner is pretty much tells his directors to get his art house as they want that's awesome and it, it's really gory and it's it's a lot of fun i hate that the show's over uh i don't know how it ends yet so i don't know if it's like a good ending but uh, mm-hmm. i'm gonna be getting to that soon uh movie wise i've watched uh pester i don't know if you heard about it, it premiered mm-hmm. at the milwaukee film festival uh last year maybe the year before okay. that it's a t- 2014 movie uh, directed by Eric Gerber. He's a filmmaker from L.A. It's about these two brothers who, you know, one who work for in their father's uh, pester, a pestle, remo- I can't talk, <laughs> pest removal business. Um, and it stars uh, um, 
Nick Summer, and I can't think of the other actor's name. I don't even know it's Nick Summer because he's a friend of mine. Uh, he was it, he was in the film Blood Junkie, and then wrote and co-directed uh, Billy Club to eighty uh, horror films, kind of uh, in the spirit of eighty slasher films. And uh, I, I watched because of his involvement. I saw it at the film, Milwaukee Film Festival. Loved it. Amanda's been wanting to see it, so I contacted him and asked if I get a copy of it in. He told me if I write him a, a review, good or bad, on IMDb, he'll send me a copy. <laughs> I've still got to write his review, but I, I agreed. And it, I wish this film would get some attention because I think it's extremely well done. Uh, and it has some really great understated performances. Well, hopefully with our, you know, sizable fan base over at No Homer's Podcast, we can we can get some of that word out. Yeah, By sizable, I mean like 12 people as of recording this episode. Do we actually have 12 people listening? Uh, you know, I, I, I we, we've been averaging actually much better than 12 per episode. So I've been surprised. I don't I don't want to like talk about our viewership over the air because I think that's like not really classy. But I'll it's tell you not, what. It's not, but... <laughs> I, um, so show so us for, some, show for us the first love, episodes, we, we've gotten more views than I actually thought we would be getting. Um, or listens. We don't really... I, I can't. Can I'm actually really excited to start getting comments, good or bad. Yeah, but, no, uh, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited for people to like rip my nasally voice apart as I'm speaking and annoying their ears. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the, la- the last thing I watched was uh, the reboot, remake, uh, whatever sequel thing, uh, uh, a vacation. The national. Oh yeah, that was another one. Yeah, and um, it's. It's hard to it's it's hard. To, I feel like I'm gonna be saying I, I say this a lot. It's not good, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's not good in the respect that I feel like there's some flaws in its storytelling, and uh, a lot of the uh, the laughter is cheap. But I I laughed hysterically throughout it. It's not a film. I feel like it has a lot of staying power. Like I don't think like I'm gonna buy it unless it's cheap, and it's not gonna be like you know what I'm bored on a Saturday night. What's put in vacation like i'll probably put the original one in before that or and i have my go-tos but like i i really had a lot of fun with this movie i just afterwards had to think about it's like i, I knew what my problems were it was still able to make me laugh which i i appreciate um even though like the comedy style feels completely different than the original film like the character like granted rusty was just a child in the original vacation films um but his character feels completely different. Even when Clark shows up later on in the film, spoiler, or Chevy Chase is in it. Uh, <laughs> I think it was his, in the trailer. His yeah. character doesn't feel right. Um, like it feels like Chevy Chase more his character in Community than his character in Vacation. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun, and it's cool to see John Francis Daly start directing. He's best known for being one of the stars of Freaks and Geeks, one of the most... Uh, underrated television shows of all time even though it only had one season all right cool and that's uh vacation and i think that should be out on uh video demand and Redbox and whatever probably in the next couple weeks yeah i think there was only like one or two showings of it when i went to see it in the theater so it'll be out soon yeah probably october ish i would imagine um okay cool uh okay so i've been I got about halfway through the uh, explanation for this show, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, I've been watching a lot of BoJack Horseman uh, on Netflix. Uh, it's an original series. 
really amazing show. Just I is it really? <laughs> I can't even tell you how good it is. I see the picture all the time, and it it, it confuses me to the point like, uh, keep scrolling. <laughs> yeah, I I, I did the same thing. Confused, I am. And you know, it's it's so brilliantly written. And okay. It's such a great send up of you know Hollywood and celebrity culture and obsession with celebrity and how people handle becoming a celebrity and how different people, you know, react positively to that or negatively, mostly negatively, and how fleeting and, you know, actually depressing fame really is. And for a comedy, it has a lot of just really emotional moments and just gets really dark. And And this is a TV show about a guy who's a horse? Yeah, like... (laughs) I just had to stress that because it's so, so weird, but it it really reminds me of like, just, it's not like anything else. So in terms of like, it's aesthetic, it's, you know, it's not like anything else, but it gave, gave me memories of, um, Arrested Development in terms of how it sets up jokes that aren't paid off for, um, many many episodes this is like a a very soft spoiler i won't go into much detail of how this happens but at one point the d in the hollywood sign goes missing uh and for the opening title sequence for the rest of the season it says the hollywood sign it doesn't have the d anymore so it's just like little things like that inconsistencies you know certain things will happen or damage will occur somewhere and you see it through the whole season. So, I mean, that alone doesn't make it a good show, but it, it's just little clever things like that. It's um, good attention to detail. Yeah, and, and it's it's like just... As, as much as I love The Simpsons, there's not enough of that. <laughs> no, there's no continuity in Simpsons at all. But it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a really, really wonderful show, and it's only uh, two seasons. I think each one's like 12 episodes. It's really easy to get caught up if you have Half Netflix. hours? Uh, yeah, 22 minutes. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably actually check that out. You've sold me. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, the first episode or two might be... Um, I, I hear a lot of people who like don't really get too attached in those first two episodes. I personally was hooked instantly, but if you can get past that two-episode hump, you're pretty much good. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, you've been watching anything else, or is that it? Uh, no, that, that would be it. Um... Oh, actually, no. Actually, I do have one thing I want to say. This is going to be super nerd thing. I'm going to keep this really short because this is just going to embarrass me. <laughs> um, but my uh, my weekend last yeah last weekend before we recorded this last episode, I attended the uh, Force Force Friday. <laughs> it was it was quite a feat. But anyways, um, I don't think anyone listening to this show can criticize us for being nerds. And <laughs> the only reason I didn't go is one, the target I work at didn't have a midnight release mm-hmm. Two, I didn't have a lot of money. And three, I had to set it up. Yeah, that I, I could totally understand that. You How, know, and, no, oh, sorry, go on. No, you can go. Uh, mine was actually kind of a, uh, Mikey Rotella, who's a, a makeup artist and sculptor uh, in the horror community. I'm friends with him on Facebook. I w- I'm not going to claim I know him at all, but like we've met each other at conventions. and uh, So I just follow him on Facebook. Uh, and he made a fantastic point, actually. Um, he said, uh, he's like, 
everyone going out and buying Star Wars Episode Seven stuff. Think about when you went out and you bought all your Episode One toys before it came out, and how did you feel when you saw Episode One? <laughs> I, I suppose. And even though you're a, you're a, a supporter of Episode One, he made a good point. You know, I I, I will pre- preface that by saying I don't think Episode One is a good movie, but I think it gets more <laughs> hate. It gets a disproportional amount of hate from the rest of the prequels and like while i have a lot of faith in abrams uh he made a good point it's like Mm -hmm. it's it's like that it's that that like that final scene from the movie uh fanboys if anyone (laughs) has seen it when they're sitting in a theater and they've gone through all this to see episode one and they're finally in the theater and it goes guys what if this movie sucks (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah there's still that chance especially as uh hardcore as star wars fans can get yeah well so th- this is an this is an added level of nerdiness, um, but I do actually collect some of the action figures. I do have a collection of episode one through three. <laughs> oh, dude, that's nothing. My entire house is covered in is covered in toys. Y- you have no idea how many I have, though. That's that's the sad part. <laughs> but uh, I, my, my... I used to collect the cans. If you remember that. Oh, I did too from episode one. The yeah, I still oh have my, my collection of them. No way. Yeah. Anyways, this is turning into the Star Wars podcast, but I'll, <laughs> I'll keep this really brief. Uh, so yeah, they um, it was it was uh, it was fun talking with everyone there. It was a really cool experience. I was at the uh, Toys R Us in Burbank, um, and uh, did you see Kevin Smith? I didn't, but I saw Seth Green. Seth Green was there buying stuff. Awesome. Yeah, so that, that was a weird. Uh, it, it, we were all joking that we were kind of at ground zero for the Star Wars midnight release because Disney's based out of Burbank. Um, but yeah, there were a few celebrities. I think, uh, I guess kind of celebrities. One of the guys who did a voice for, um, I think it was Force Unleashed, the Xbox 360 PS3 game. Uh, he oh, was, he was I know there. that dude. He was also in Being Human. Oh, really? Yeah. And, I, I uh, can't remember his name, but he he was there. Dexter. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it, it was a fun, fun talking with everyone, but as a collector, just a very disappointing experience because... Uh, they were not prepared at all. I don't know who dropped the ball at Hasbro, but like they just had after three people, they were sold out of everything. So yeah, I I I was picking the remnants the next day. I was looking at what we had left, and um, like all the good figurines and everything were gone. Um, surprisingly, we still have a lot of Kylo Ren stuff. Uh, really, and wow. I haven't been I haven't been following anything, any of the news. Because I want to go in completely just knowing nothing. So I don't even know who this character is. Like, like other than what I've seen in the in the teasers and what I can read off the box, I know nothing about this character. But I'm but I know it's a popular character. I know it's a Sith. Um I'm surprised we still had toys left, but like a lot of what we have left are like the kids that are mar- the toys that are marketed directly to children, you know, mm-hmm. like that we have like a, a a Wookie board game or some shit that has like Chewie like sitting on top of the, like the Millennium Falcon, or something really like <laughs> yeah. cartoony and kitty. Yeah. So so overall, it was that that part was disappointing, and trying to track down, you know, as a collector, all those figures in Los Angeles is just a nightmare because there's only so many places that carry them. Um, but hopefully it will it will change. Uh, disappointment isn't so much that things weren't there. It was just how hyped up it was, and it for it to be so ill prepared is a little bit disappointing. I, I the last thing I need to say about Star Wars before we move on. 
unless you have more to say, but I, I needed to say this because like, I think I heard this on a Kevin Smith podcast one mm-hmm. time um, where he was saying um, Mark Hamill, apparently in his, co- like, since they didn't get paid a whole lot for their original, you know, Star Wars film, uh, George Lucas gave all the actors a point, a point on the back end for merchandising in Star Wars. And a point in Star Wars is a fucking mini fortune. Yeah. Considering how much they make. And I think Mark, from this is the rumor. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is because uh, this, it would it, it would blow my mind. Mark Hamill wrote it into his contract where he gets one of every Star Wars merchandise, anything made. <laughs> and from what I'm told, he has a warehouse somewhere of everything because he asked for one of everything, wow. not knowing it was going to mer- make that much. Yeah. And I imagine he has a warehouse that would give you a raging heart on if you're a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I, I would imagine that. And, uh, uh, I, next I, week when we have Mark Hamill on the show, he can confirm. <laughs> yes, yes. Mark Hamill will be here, maybe. In spirit. Isn't he always, though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I think uh, Star Wars, uh, I read somewhere that, I think it's just merchandising, made $27 billion over the entire lifetime. So if that's true, uh, 1% of $27 billion is a lot of money. But yeah, uh, to where I was going with the Star Wars thing, though, I, I started watching the animated Clone Wars series. Oh, how I, is it? You know, it's actually, uh, the, the first season is a little bit, childish the humor there's a lot of childish humor but if you can get past that it's really good it's better than anything in the prequels i tried like i tried with the because like i i wanted to get into it because like last year uh, i bought the force awakens game or not force awakening though whichever one was for the the xbox and i was really getting into it i was replaying kotor i bought the blu-ray collection again because mine was stolen and I was I was super into Star Wars. I was like, you know what? I want to watch this uh, this TV show. And I decided to like start with the movie, and I Ooh. could barely make it through it. Yeah, I I was debating if I should start there, but the like three percent on Rotten Tomatoes kind of deterred me from starting there. Uh, the actual TV series though is really solid. Um, and then yeah. I heard like the new one, Star Wars Rebels, is good too. Yeah, I my nephew watches that and. I need to talk to my stepbrother about <laughs> how that is because I know he watches it with him. But yeah, so that's what we've been watching. Uh, went a little bit longer, much longer rant with Star Wars, but I could talk for like days about Star Wars. So I, I feel like being a Simpsons fan, you kind of have to be a Star Wars fan. Like, like you have to be a cin- like you don't have to be, but I feel like Simpsons fans are Star Wars fans. Simpsons fans are cinema fans. Simpsons fans are pop culture fans because. Yeah you there's so much that's referenced in the simpsons that make up to who the creators are you can see their influences mm-hmm. um like I, I don't think uh anyone and i could be wrong and if i'm wrong please tell us in our comments <laughs> um i don't like i don't imagine anyone who's a simpsons fan hates hitchcock because how often have they referenced hitchcock yeah, hell, how often do they use Hitchcock zooms in The Simpsons? Which is kind of confusing because it's animated. It's like, wait, you had to draw that? It's like, okay. But, um, so I, I don't think our digressions are a bad thing. No, I, I hope not. Um, just real quick, I would like to point out to anyone listening, um, that's No Homer's podcast is on, I believe it's Patreon? 
That's how you can pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, explain this Patreon thing. I'm still learning it. Uh, a, a podcast I like quite a bit. I'm, I hate that I'm plugging other people's podcasts, but maybe they'll do the same one day. Uh, it's called The Projection Booth. Uh, they just started using Patreon as well. And uh, so is, this must be a new service. Can you explain a little bit about it, Nico? Yeah, so how Patreon works is you subscribe um, for as long as you want. You can cancel whenever. But uh, we have different... It, it's kind of like a Kickstarter-type thing but it's more subscription based so each month at the beginning of the month you'll be charged for however much you want to donate to the podcast our lowest amount is one dollar um and for each tier you can get different uh different things so for one dollar per month you pretty much we can do a shout out to you on the air which we are going to do um we'll do every month and yeah we'll start we have we have one one subscriber right now so we'll we'll be giving a little shout out to him later on in the episode in our intermission um and there's two dollars a month five dollars uh ten twenty five so yeah and like this podcast will always be free but this is kind of your way to say if you like what we're doing and you can throw us something if you want us just to like say fuck off and keep making with the funny for free, we'll keep doing that. But if you like us, you know, maybe I can start recording on something that's not a rock band like. Yeah, and that's really what it's for. It's to, you know, help us with, you know, hosting fees and getting better equipment so we can sound better for you. Um, and doing fun, exclusive things that, you know, maybe we can get guests on. Maybe we can devote more time to this um, project because we have certain milestone goals. So if we end up getting $25 per month, we'll do a Simpsons commentary, uh, for the movie. Um, and then there'll also be exclusive content for people who, um, subscribe to us. So we'll have, uh, bonus episodes where we'll talk about, um, whatever theme that might be. A lot of those are actually going to be Patreon based themes. So whoever, yeah. whatever those subscribers would like for us to do, we'll cover those. And then um, the th- yeah. like the thought I like I had and it's like so this, this podcast is going to be free. It's always going to be free. Um and the free podcast is pretty much what me and Nico feel makes a good podcast. But if you like if you like listening to us talk but you thought, like, "Oh man, I wish they would do this differently. I wish they do that differently." Essentially, by giving us money, you have a say in how you'd like this podcast to go. This podcast is not just me and Nico's podcast. It's the Simpsons fans podcast. So if you want to, if you think like, shit, I'd like to hear them do a little bit of this. And like, we'll always take consideration people's comments and everything. But like, if you want a direct hand at helping shape this podcast, this is how you can do it. Yeah, um, on our Facebook page, which you can find us at No Homers Podcast on Facebook, uh, there's a reason why it's listed under community and not radio station, and that is because we want to encourage a lot of people to, uh, you know, interact with us and, you know, share their ideas. It's, you know... This is actually kind of inspiring me. I feel like at the end of a uh, uh, pump up the volume where Christian Slater is <laughs> sitting there with his, like, makeshift radio system with his fist in the air, like, rebel <laughs> yell! Oh, man, that's what we should do. We should get a Jeep and a mobile radio station. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, so, yeah, let's let's uh, go into our... Oh, you know, let, let's just do this now because we're going to go into our episodes. But I would like to give a shout-out. Actually, Michael, you you want to do a shout-out shout out to uh, shit. Do you want to <laughs> do a shit-out? Shit-out, yes. <laughs> Please don't do that. 
please do not do that it's the new form of protest <laughs> i oh wish i had a God. soundboard right now just so i can like make shit sounds anyways um <laughs> Please don't give the... a shit out because this person was very kind to us, so we don't want to offend them. <laughs> so, oh, anyways, anyways, uh, we had a we have one of our subscribers. He's a really sweet guy uh, by the name of Nicholas Richards. Um, I Nick Richards is a friend of mine. I first met him was it yeah last year at the Beloit Film Festival. Um, he was there promoting his feature film Normal, which is awesome. Uh, so I recommend everyone going on Facebook and beg him for a copy of it. Um, and uh, me and Amanda were looking for a film to see. You know, I was there promoting my my two films. This is the only time I've ever had two films in a film festival. Uh, my shorts from the Darkness Theater, and uh, Love You Still, two very different movies. Um, and uh, I was talking to some friends, and it's like, well, I'm looking for something to go see. I don't it's hard for me to choose uh, what do you recommend and they're like well there's this really interesting kind of like dreamy surreal comedy thing film called normal playing right now and we all really liked it and i was like fuck yeah i'll go check that out and what struck me is like one how much i like the film but then two just how nice of a dude nick richards was i think he brought his daughter up on stage too which i thought was uncontrollably adorable um and uh after the screening like i was eating cheese curds and like he was sitting there we were just shooting the shit we're gonna go meet with um one of my friends who ran the, who was running help run the festival and he's like oh do you guys mind if i tag along i was like fuck yeah so we went uh to a bar and we were all playing cards against humanity together found out me and nick both love board games um and i was having such a good time with him i blew off my next screening I just went for the Q&A and left uh, and just chilled out, played Cards Against Humanity with him. And um, Yeah, um, I don't personally know him, but anyone who is a patron of our Patreon page is someone that I definitely approve of. So thank you very much, Nick. Uh, we really appreciate that. And he subscribed for a uh, $5 per month, which for those of you who probably don't know, because this is a new page. If you uh, do three consecutive uh, $5 per month subscriptions, we will give a shout out to your business cause or creative endeavor on the page, assuming it's of something that is not of questionable morality. So, And Nick definitely has some cool stuff I want to mention. I just unfortunately do not have the names of any of it right next to me. So Nick, if you're listening... You're gonna get a shout out. Your your any of your film work's gonna get a shout out, and definitely your board game is gonna get a shout out. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks again, Nick. Uh, and I would like to give a shout out to Matt Waddell, who does our cleans up our audio because we're helpless people. And yeah, he he puts up with having to listen to us ramble, and the stuff that you don't hear, which when we ramble too long. So uh, thanks, thanks to Matt Waddell for doing that. I find it funny. We both went to film school together, and neither of us is competent enough to clean up audio. That's <laughs> sad. Uh, and you, you can actually find Matt Waddell's work at mattwaddellaudio.com, and we'll post a link to that in the show notes so you can access that. Uh, other news, we are officially on iTunes. So please, if you have the podcast app on your iPhone or whatever device, uh, please please, please, please subscribe to us. We can use as much help as we can because more subscriptions is really what a lot of people do care about. So 
uh, spread the word if you know if you like what you hear we would greatly appreciate that very cool show so should we get on to the topic of sideshow bob yes let's do let's do the episode <laughs> let's, let's get into these actual episodes uh we're gonna start out with the the very first sideshow bob episode which is crusty gets busted i think it's ep- i think it's season one episode 12 yes it is uh aired on april 22nd 1990 directed and... by david silverman i believe i don't have my nope, notes in front nope, of me nope oh. nope nope i actually have a, a note of that it is directed by brad bird oh fuck it, those of you don't know uh he went on to direct the incredibles and uh Mission Impossible Four, Tomorrowland, uh, Tomorrowland, one of my favorite films of the year. Really, I I need to see that movie. Um, did, he also did Iron Giant, didn't he? Oh, the feels, yeah, yeah. He did Iron Giant. So Brad Bird went on to be super successful. Uh, he was in the running to direct uh, Star Wars, I believe, Episode Seven. He was going to direct, and then they were going to ask him to do Episode Nine, but he declined from what rumors would suggest. But yeah, Brad Bird is incredibly talented, and this episode is definitely a showcase of that. Okay, so uh, getting back to Krusty Gets Busted. My first note on that episode, by the way, is the opening. I totally forgot that there was a different opening sequence for this the first season. I'm not sure when it switched over, but definitely was... I think it was season two that it switched over. Yeah, I, it totally caught me off guard, and it was really awesome to see that. And it's, it was so weird about it looking back and it's like how exaggerated all the movements are. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like they were over animating and it's, um, it's fantastic. And you mm-hmm. saw like, as a rule, I think the Simpsons creator said Bart's the only character with spiky hair, except in this opening animation, there's a guy that's like an older version of Bart standing by the buses, like <laughs> waiting for a bus. It's, uh, yeah. I it's forgot there's that bus stop one in the, the original opening. That was, that was a cool little reminder. Um, and then yeah. like this, then this one have like Lisa Ryder like, yeah, yeah, there is that too. So, um, what did you think of this episode overall? Um, I am surprised, like, because whenever I think back to season one, I'm always there's always a little bit of dread thinking about I have to watch season one because there's like oh, there are some rough spots in this season, but I loved this episode and I. I always liked this episode, but I, I guess I never internalized it because it's been a long time since I've watched it. And I usually, when I go into season one, there's always this stigmata of like, okay, this is not going to be great. But uh, while this episode wasn't extremely funny, while it did have its funny, funny moments, um, what I think this story did well is the storytelling is extremely well. And it felt... I think I've often sometimes called season one of The Simpsons juvenile, uh, for lack of a better term, but this episode felt like one that was written by writers later on in the series, like a couple seasons in already. Like, this one just felt really strong. Uh, I've, I've got a lot to say about it, but uh, um, I'll get on to some of that in a moment. Yeah, I I was impressed with this episode. I... I always feel that the uh, the first season is very understated, and this episode was definitely still within that tradition. Um, you don't see Homer doing the wacky things that he does later on in season six, seven, eight, whatever. Around it's, that, it's era. a bit more grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Like other, I think in season one, because this well, was Bart the Daredevil season one, or was that season two? 
I believe that was season two. Okay, well then it's like you know he that was I think the starting point for Homer and his like incredible ability to like consume pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the season one, everything is grounded more in reality, and like even like the way that Marge is portrayed in this episode, like when she comes in. Uh, in the kids and it's like, well, I don't know if I quite agree with this violence. It's like she felt less like Marge and more like a real parent. Yeah. I, I did love the um, line from, I believe Lisa said it. If cartoons were meant for adults, they put them on in prime time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a wonderful reference to an era before things like family guy and American dad. And when cartoons were seen as more for children. And I got this weird like bit of nostalgia from watching this episode because like, um like even like watching Krusty's show like he had a he had a, like a whole intro for like his show which i thought was really interesting and we got to see a little bit more of him interacting with the kids because like whenever they show Krusty now it's always like yeah 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 get on with it or like mm-hmm. i felt like the crusty cloud in this episode actually liked what he did he, he was like genuinely passionate which was weird except for <laughs> I did love the joke uh, where he basically encourages his child child viewers to commit suicide. That was <laughs> wait, what did I miss that? It was like the very beginning where he's like, oh. uh, "What what will you do if uh, if Krusty gets canceled?" And they're like, "We'll kill ourselves." That was the... like this episode had some really dark themes to it. Yeah, it like, if you were to take this film. Or not this film, and like this this episode. Take out some of the comedy. Take out the fact that Simpsons characters. You could make a really dark and chilling film based on some of the stuff in this episode. Yeah, it. Um, I mean, the subject matter, anything with Sideshow Bob is well, not even darker, just that, but like, but it, taking out the zaniness that's in the later seasons, it it is, it is a strangely dark episode. Like the this the scene that stuck with me and made me and like kind of actually gave me chills in a very uh, weird way was um, the scene where Bart was sitting in his bedroom right after he found out that Krusty has been arrested. And, uh, you know, there's that blue tint over the scene and it's playing this really interestingly somber music with almost like, and it sounded like kind of clown influenced, obviously. And like there's, uh, you know, he's just sitting in his room looking at his, his dolls and has that music playing over it. And the music actually gave me goosebumps because it, it reminded me of, like, uh, an Italian giallo film a little bit with this interest in music and it, it, the, the way, the reason his character is set up the way he is. It actually kind of reminded me of the film Christmas Evil a little bit. Just, uh, hmm. like, I feel like if you were to take that scene, take that exact music and reshoot that and do it with real people that would be the perfect setup to a horror film yeah i i could definitely see that they had the reprise at the end where he's covered and all like surrounded by everything crusty and they're playing the music again but because the context of the scene is different the music plays differently and uh it's it, it was the thing I, I i was surprised i forgot about that because that scene with bart in his room is probably i'm gonna go on record now saying the best moment in season one the entire season yes i'm not talking comedy but like the the thing the scene that i don't think i'll be able to get out of my mind so i'm calling it now i'm gonna um uh it's best scene of season one i i i don't i i can't say i concur with that just because i haven't seen enough of season one 
recently to have a strong memory of the whole thing, but uh, as far as episodes go, I think this is definitely one of the stronger episodes in season one, so that definitely could be true. Um, yeah, so this episode, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, we're kind of jumping all over the place with this, but I, I don't really know how else to... There's no good way to tackle this. I think we yeah. just kind of come up with things as we as we and say. Every, everyone's familiar with with Sideshow Bob. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, uh, I'm unless you're gonna try and follow the series for the first time the way we're watching it, which is probably not the best. That's way a to terrible do that. idea. <laughs> um, but if you are, all the power to you. Uh, just keep keep it up, I guess. <laughs> and it's like what, what's interesting about Sideshow Bob in this character because you know, in this in this character, it made no sense in this episode is because uh, Sideshow Bob has not been fleshed out as a character, and like it's re- his motives behind it are really behind what he does are really interesting. It's because he doesn't like the way that Krusty disrespects him and what he does, and also because he wants to do better. Like when he when yeah. uh, Krusty gets arrested, he doesn't like, um, you know, he, he he retools the show to make something at, that he thinks kids are gonna like better, that he thinks is a better show, and it's really interesting because it's it's passion versus passion in this episode in these in this early episode, Krusty is passionate about what he does so much so that mm-hmm. when Bart tugs him on the yeah, uh, on the pants or whatever, and said, "Say it isn't so, Krusty." Krusty has this legitimate moment of like, of saying, "Like, I didn't do it," mm-hmm. and because he really wanted the kid, to, the kids to believe him. Yeah, uh, it, he, it is weird seeing Krusty so genuine that that even even the episodes that are very Krusty centric, you don't really see that. It it reminded me of when, uh, as a child, I, I loved the Pee Wee Herman show. And then as I got older, I found out about the whole Pee Wee Herman scandal. And it, 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 that's what it reminded me of. A person who, who legitimately loves entertaining, who has who had, you know, just gotten into some trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad I didn't find out about that as a kid, because that would have crushed me. Yeah. I, uh, I have a few notes for this episode. Um, one was, I like how no one assumed that the cr- the person who robbed the quickie mart was like an imposter wearing like a mask or uh makeup <laughs> like clearly it was just crusty <laughs> like that was the first uh reaction I-, I found that really amusing i like that he's walking around with the mask on yeah as he's like... making his burrito and reading <laughs> and there's there's a great uh little joke here which is a running running theme in these uh, Sideshow Bob episodes, but Homer's insulting Patty and Selma, and how there's a callback to that when the news plays the uh, security footage, which is just great. <laughs> and then uh, we mentioned it off the air, but uh, we also think this episode is the shining example of how funny Apu is. Yeah, Apu is great here. I I forget like how early on he was kind of... Uh, he was much more of an icon for the show than... I think what he is today and this show definitely this episode definitely showed just how funny he is and Hank Azaria playing him is just hysterical mm-hmm. um another note on like performances I, I need to bring this up uh first of all Sideshow Bob's show was awesome and I would totally watch that him like singing the kids out every every night after <laughs> after the episode's done yeah him amazing. reading literature but he's still wearing his loincloth yeah <laughs> and 
can I just say that uh, Kelsey Grammer just has a beautiful voice, and I could listen to him just sing all the time. He could he could seriously just read me the phone book. Yeah, uh, I I love that man's voice. He's I mean he's an incredible actor too, but he's so great as Sideshow Bob. It's awesome just seeing someone like him come back to this character so often over the course of now twenty seven years, mm-hmm. um, and still have fun with it, and still do new and interesting things. Yeah, there's, there's some recent season um, Sideshow Bob episodes that are still among my favorite. I think there's like one in season 21 or 22 that I was very fond of. Yeah, but he's yeah. he's fantastic. There's really no no other way to say it. And um, but no, like I was just surprised like how much this episode st- like I don't want to say it like affected me on an emotional level, but that was the only way I c- I can describe it. Um, and you know it's an episode. I've obviously seen quite a bit, but I just love that, you know, because some episodes really paint Bart as being like a fucking hellion. Yeah. And, um, but the thing that I've always liked about Bart as a character is deep down he cares. And, uh, and like to see just his unwavering, um, optimism that Krusty didn't do it mm-hmm. shows that he's not a bad, he's not, he's not a bad kid. Yeah. I, I think, uh, having, giving Bart that sort of passion. Again, we're talking about passion with Krusty and Sideshow Bob, but giving Bart a level of passion that is just so extreme works really well to humanize him as a character and pit him in the middle of these two characters whose passions are kind of at odds, and then you have him who's kind of, in some ways, torn because the thing he's passionate about uh, ended up, in his eyes, being a fraud. And... um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting story that goes beyond just jokes, which there are plenty of hilarious jokes. But it's it's a cool cool way to pit the characters against one another. Yeah, it's it, they don't they don't show Bart's obsession with Krusty enough. Uh, but when you see an episode like this and you see how much Krusty means to this little boy, it makes sense. Like when and when like in Lisa's wedding, when he has a tattoo of Krusty on his arm, it's like it makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, because we're kind of doing an accelerated version of these two episodes, but is there anything else you wanted to say for this one before we move on to Cape Fear? No, other than like if I had to make like a short list of must see Simpsons episodes, I would definitely put this on it. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I think we both came out of this episode much more, um, very surprised with how much we enjoyed it. So okay, uh, the other episode we watched this week was Cape Fear, which was season 5 episode 2 and it aired on October 7th 1993 You have a cheat sheet, don't you? I do. I, ha- I have a little document up on my computer. Was so I this one David it. Silverman? Because I thought one of them was. No, it was It was directed by Rich Moore and written by John Vitti. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know how to pronounce it but I, I, know, I know his name because he pops mm-hmm. up quite a bit. Uh, the David Silverman one you're talking about was actually for uh, next week's episode. Oh, that makes, <laughs> I can't I can't go to my other screen or else my computer starts getting fro- uh, frozen. So like I have oh, to just okay. go off of my own knowledge. But <laughs> oh, it's okay. I have everything written down, so I can I can uh, keep you up to date. So yeah, uh, Cape Fear, obviously a uh, spoof off of the 1991 remake starring. Uh, Robert De Niro and directed by Martin Scorsese. 
what did you think of this episode? I this is one of my favorite sideshow Bob episodes. Of I all time. I think it probably is my favorite sideshow Bob episode because there's so much to love about it, and I don't even know where to begin. So hopefully you have an idea of where we should start this because I already want to like jump to the ending and like a bunch of other stuff. So I'm just gonna started. go through my my bullet points. Uh, first of all, the show starts out with McBain on his own talk show who has <laughs> yes. a wonderfully horrible gay joke <laughs> right away, which just backfires on him. And he doubles double downs on, which is oh, which is just hilarious. Uh, McBain is a character that I very much enjoy. I wish we got to see more of him. I know he doesn't pop up a lot. No, he doesn't. But every time he does, it's usually gold. So (laughs) his his talk show looked like it was just wonderfully disastrous. Um, I would have watched it. One of my favorite quotes. This has a great Ned Flanders moment when. Bart starts getting letters saying that he's going to die. He's very, um, very yeah. worried, obviously, when he goes out in public. And Ned Flanders kind of confronts him with very uh, Freddy Krueger-like uh, glove, telling him to say his prayers because the schools can't force him like they should. <laughs> yeah. Which... I remember the glove, but I couldn't remember what his punchline was, but I remember finding <laughs> it really funny. Yeah, this episode just right away just there's a lot of a lot of really great jokes and great satire and I, I even write on a lot of these uh, notes just very clever ways to spoof not only Cape Fear but other other horror films or uh, similar thrillers. Like I just I think one of my like and it's like you said it starts off early on like the great jokes like with Sideshow Bob writing uh, the notes in blood, but then I love when he's doing his like his checklist. He buys buy corn holders. Yeah, <laughs> like, I like how there's like a dramatic zoom in too. Like that's I know, the most it's like, horrific he, part. He's choosing to write everything in his own blood. So like <laughs> when he passes out later on and snakes like use a pen, Sideshow Bob. Yeah. Uh, one of the notes I have for one, another character, it's not Sideshow Bob related, but uh, whatever happened to Moe's animal smuggling? Because I really miss that running gag. Yeah, well, <laughs> when the pan- like when he, the pandas, like I don't know yeah. why that just kills me, but like Mo is into some really dark shit. Like they make reference to like some really weird porn that he likes and like sexual habits and his smuggling and like all of the dirty things he does. <laughs> but I fucking love Mo. He's like such a lovable character at times. He yeah, and I, I really wish we he, we could see him smuggle more animals because it's always hilarious, especially I, just the the randomness of them and <laughs> trying to understand the mechanics of what he's doing and why. I think they should do a Mo episode where the Simpsons don't have the money to go on a trip, so he smuggles them into a country. <laughs> you know that would be a, that'd be a cool episode. I. I really like that concept. We should, if, we should if you're get listening, Al Jean on here. Creators, um, call us. We'll have you a script in a week. <laughs> Excellent. Um, there is the uh, so yeah, Sideshow Bob gets let out of prison, which has the great line that uh, no one who speaks German could be an evil man. Uh, I also love. Th- is this again, the episode an- where like where he like hugs Snake goodbye and Snake doesn't have words? He's like go go yeah yeah, Buh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, that was that was great snake uh yeah th- there's a lot of great like peripheral characters character moments in this episode my favorite is is more of a th- th- there's a moment where they ask who hasn't thought of killing patty i believe it was no selma 
Which one? Be honest. And Patty even raises her hand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. But I also like that there's a... When the camera pans across, there's a reluctant priest that raises his hand, too. Just some ran- random priest we've never seen before. The one I like is this one guy who doesn't have his hand up, and the other guy jabs him, and he quickly puts his hand up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great visual gag there. And I, um, I also like how Selma isn't affected by any of that. Yeah, it's just like, uh, she, she she expected that. <laughs> um. I, like, I, I like wish I had show. my note. I didn't take notes in this episode, and I feel like when I was watching it, I had a lot of things I wanted to talk about. But like mm-hmm. now, I'm like, I'm, I'm, and since I can't switch screens, I'm like really hoping <laughs> that you, you jog something from my. Uh, memory. Hopefully, hopefully, I, I, I took notes just as I went along. So a lot of this is just kind of random, random things I, I, liked or thought of when we were when I was watching it. But, so after the after, Sideshow Bob gets out of prison his very first act is to drive around in like some sort of ice cream truck type thing just making announcements of who he's not going to kill uh <laughs> which the town seems very happy about that everyone's very excited that they're not on the list you know what they didn't make re- what they did the, what they should be a little more concerned about he 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 uh he's he didn't say rod and todd's name oh that's a good catch. So Amanda caught it. So like, I wish I could take credit for that one. But when she listens back at this, and she if she realizes I didn't give her credit, uh, uh, I feel bad. Um, but no, that, like that's did, a really good catch. He doesn't actually. mention Rod and Todd. Wow. So I think there's a a thing where he wants to kill. Maybe he wants to kill Rod and Todd. He Who might. He he might be trying to kill Rod. And Ned and Maud looked very okay with that, actually. Yeah. Wow, there's a there's, su- there's a, some subtext to this. Thing. There's a, there's something dark happening in the Flanders house. <laughs> um, also, okay, this needs to be said because this happens. Uh, I may have started with this episode, but when they when the Simpsons drive away mm-hmm. and they're listening to Gilbert and Sullivan, yeah, it is not a a sideshow Bob episode without a Gilbert and Sullivan musical number, which is just always amazing. It's it's such a great character trait for him that he can get away with something like that, just being obsessed with the whole, the whole <laughs> pu- scene public where, domain uh, theater. The whole scene where um, the FBI is trying to teach Homer his new name, yes, is, yes, is, is stupidly funny no matter what. Like, it's a really dumb gag but it works like i think like homer can get away with really dumb gags because of how dumb he is you know i was thinking because like that scene almost pushes homer too far into like dumb territory but what works about it isn't so much that homer doesn't get it it's the it really is the animation around it like seeing marge and bart and lisa just like you know lying on their heads on the table and just like playing with you know, piece of paper or garbage mm-hmm. that's left on there, and like the the two agents are just all disheveled now, and they have like cigarettes piled up, <laughs> like it's, stuff like that is w- what made that scene really funny to me. Not so much that Homer didn't get it, just the <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's a joke that seemed like so obvious to me, but it was really really hilarious in execution. Every so often they'll have a joke like this. This has nothing to do with this episode, but it's um. I cannot remember what episode it was, uh, and I hate when that happens because it makes me sound less like a Simpsons fan. But uh, Homer's getting some testing done on him. I think it was the NASA episode, and um, 
Oh he yeah, he's when pushing he, when the he button his... with the mouse. Yeah, yeah. And um, they're like, "Where'd that mouse come from?" I don't know. He brought it in with him, and the <laughs> fact that he keeps losing to this fucking mouse, like once again, it pushes Homer to the point of almost being too dumb. Because like, I, th- I thought he... you were going to talk about the part when he uh, was at the doctor and he got like, like hit him on the knee, and then like you see the clock like go around and like the doctor's just sitting there like staring it's like a long lapse in time and then homer's like ow and it's like 12 hours later (laughs) i forgot about that one but like you know moments like that could push homer to be like how stupid is this character but Mm -hmm. i don't know something about him pulls it off because if i were to see a character like this in any other tv show i don't know if it would work for me but something a lot of it's bias. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie, but um, like you said, I think the 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 animation and the reactions by the other characters are what makes it even better. Because yeah. like the family was, it wasn't like, oh come on, dad. It was like, okay, this is this is normal. Homer driving through a cactus patch. I I love how <laughs> <laughs> that's something that I totally buy with Homer. Not even just doing it that one time it's just those are the types of dumb things homer does and gets enjoyment out of <laughs> i like that he's wearing an fbi t-shirt or a witness relocation yeah t-shirt <laughs> oh my god yeah no that, that's that's again this episode just has great visual gags and great just it is just so many jokes happening that's hard to catch all of them at once it's just really rapid fire it's one of those episodes i could i could have probably rewatched right away and yeah. still enjoyed um but the, uh, i want to oh, talk sorry, a, i want to talk a little bit about sideshow bob and uh the char- his character and how he's progressed from that first episode to this episode and um he you know it's obvious that he has a great hatred for bart but also um, a respect in a weird way. I don't even think feel like it's for Bart, but it's respect for uh, for oh, for humans uh, in a way because like I love how when when Sideshow Bob, you know, just try, I believe was just trying to be scary, like any last requests, and Bart comes up with his idea of having Sideshow Bob sing, and he's like, oh, it's just one, but it's not a big deal. And Sideshow Bob takes it, like, so personally. He's like, no, what? I really want to hear. And, you know, Bart says he wants him to sing the entire uh, score, of the SS Penafor or something. Yeah. And uh, not only does, does, like, Bob do it, but he does it so grandiose. Like, he has little sets built and everything for it. He indulges Bart. Like, he hates him, but he respects, I think, human life enough to be like, if this is your truly last request before I murder you, I'm going to fucking do it to the best of my ability. I, I think there's that, because Sideshow Bob is a... For being a murderer, is strangely... Uh, has a strange amount of empathy <laughs> towards other people. Uh, but I also think he does that because he's just a narcissist as well that's true that's true. uh it, it, it's like there's that duality there that just makes him a really interesting character it, it's like the uh like he's the type of character and i don't mean to like stereotype people because this, obviously people of all different you know backgrounds or beliefs or political leanings can uh fall into all different number of categories but the fact that you know as later seasons reveal that he's a Republican, yet he's a huge listener of like NPR, which is very famous for being much more liberal leaning. Uh, and some of his beliefs kind of contradict things you normally associate with more conservative people or 
you know, it, it's just weird or that he is conservative and kind of contradicts a lot of other beliefs that he holds. It is a very interesting dichotomy with Sideshow Bob, which I think makes him an interesting character. Um, he kind of reminds me more of like a, of a Republican from the 80s. Because, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, the Republicans yeah. in the 80s would have like would be fiscally Republican, but like socially conservative. Like I, I was kind of surprised when I found out John Hughes is a Republican. Oh, yeah. Filmmaker John Hughes. Like, well, Kelsey Grammer is uh, as well. Do you know uh, 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 Johnny Ramone from the Ramones, the guitarist? He was a Republican as well. Wow. Uh, to the point that the song Blitzkrieg Bop pissed him off. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was... Uh, not Blitzkrieg Bop, I'm sorry. I'm completely like, messing up titles. Uh, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. Or, like, the real title was My Head Hanging Upside Down, but it was original title was supposed to be Bonzo Goes to Bitburg, and it's making fun of Reagan because his... Um, his monkey in a lot of his films was called bonzo and it pissed him off so he said they need to oh. ch- they should change the title hmm didn't know that yeah and like obviously I don't, again i don't mean to like stereotype anyone of any belief or anything no. but that's uh it, it's interesting to see a character display those that that wide range um and that's what makes him a great character because he isn't just a stereotype of one republican and sometimes they they kind of play into that a little bit but he has a lot of depth to him and he's not just a joke like oh look at him he has a different political leaning than we do it's more complicated than that yeah they they treat him with respect yeah because you know the simpsons the simpsons uh, creators i I, i'm not gonna go on a whim and say everyone who's involved the simpsons is uh a liberal or democrat or whatever because i don't i'm i'm sure there's there's some who aren't but for the most part i'd I'd say the simpsons creators are are awfully uh liberal 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 i can't talk uh, (laughs) awfully liberal and um and uh while you know they definitely poke fun at the republican party and everything i feel like they treat the characters with respect yeah, sometimes I, they, I, I they, think, they do go far sometimes but and i think even the the people that they're spoofing they usually treat the person with respect as well mm-hmm. um because it, it's interesting I, i've talked with many people about this that simpsons is a show that has a very strong sense of uh religion and faith despite the fact that most of the people who write for it and this has been talked about um by many people on the show that most people who work on it are consider themselves atheists or non-religion, non-religious. Uh, so for it to have such a strong faith uh, backbone in a lot of episodes, it's very interesting. It's, um, it's interesting how they don't let their own personal beliefs necessarily change yeah, the episodes. It's almost like you can you can have it both ways. You, you can, can have you your cake and eat it. <laughs> you, you don't need to, you don't need to fall into one one extreme or the other. So. Uh, but that that kind of went on a tangent. But yeah, it all kind of has to do with what makes Bob an interesting character because he isn't just, you know, one thing or the other. He he has gray areas, and that makes him more human, more relatable. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Like I feel like uh, Sideshow Bob is always going to be a great character. He's always going to be a relatable character, and it's not even just because of the way he's written, but just the the hum- the the way that Kelsey Grammer can find ways to humanize him. You know, because he's a character who could easily be one-dimensional. He could be like Snake, but just, you know, murderous. But they find interesting ways to humanize him. And even when he is doing something bad, his reasonings for it are usually really interesting. Like, I think there was an episode in a more recent season. I don't remember the plot line because I've only seen it once. 
but uh, Bob and Lisa became very close. And then Lisa found out what Bob's master plan was, and she felt conflicted because what he was trying to do would actually be a good thing, mm-hmm. but the way he was going about it was bad. Yeah, I actually had a note in the Krusty Gets Busted episode that Lisa really likes Bob's show, and everything Bob was doing is very much what Lisa would do. And I, I find the pairing of those two together very, very intriguing from a character level and from writing because they are so similar, but you know, it's kind of like the Xavier Magneto for those who, uh, who like X-Men where they're kind of after the same goal in many ways, but they have completely opposite approaches to that. And that always has great, you know, drama inherent in that. Yeah. I feel like Lisa is, um, you know, Bob believes in shortcuts. He wants yep. to do quick things. He wants the world to... I feel like he actually wants the world to be a better place, but he doesn't want to actually work for it. Lisa, on the other hand, seems like a fighter. She will She will go the long route. I, I always see Bob as someone who has uh, much more dignity, and not in the sense that like Lisa isn't dignified or anything, but Bob is someone who sees himself as a very dignified person, which is why it's always hilarious to see him fail, because... You know, someone once talked about why it's funny to see, like, you know, cats do stupid stuff in videos. As a huge cat fan, <laughs> I love cats, but uh, it is true. Cats, as animals, kind of have a very dignified demeanor about themselves, and that's why those videos are usually pretty and, funny. And that's why it's fun to watch Sideshow Bob repeatedly step on rakes. Yeah, because it's, it's when... such an undignified way for him. There, there's a, there's, there's a theory on comedy where something's funny it's extremely funny at first and then if you keep it going on it becomes unfunny but then it goes on long enough it becomes funny again Mm -hmm. and that's how that rake scene is it goes on just long enough to become funny again there's a whole concept that uh that i I think family guy really used utilized that concept quite a bit um i haven't watched the show for many years but i remember early on that was something that they always toyed around with yeah, holding on to things for too long. Uh, another thing I want to say quickly before we uh, switch subje- or switch subjects, if we have anything else to talk about, about Lisa and Bob, uh, going back to our theme last week about future episodes, do you think Bob would have voted for Lisa to be president? Oh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, because I don't... Lisa, I feel like he would have. I don't know why, but I feel like he would respect her. He, he would respect her beliefs enough that he might. I feel like he would. I, I don't see Bob as someone who would uh, fall into the left versus right sort of dichotomy. I, th- I feel like he would truly vote for someone that he agrees with on principle rather than what you know party they're aligned with. So yeah, I, I, I totally think Bob would vote for Lisa. Unless like, he unless he was running against her, <laughs> I feel like Bob would would even go as far as to like send her congratulatory basket <laughs> of a little like decapitated Bart cookies. Yeah, and she'd go, "Oh, Bob," <laughs> and he'd make them vegan just for her. Oh, he totally would. He would oh, totally yeah. make. Yeah, is is he a vegetarian or vegan? I, I feel uh... like I feel like he is. At least one of the later seasons, they say that he might be. I don't know, that's a detail I'm not 100% sure on. But anyways, <laughs> so, yeah. anything this else? This episode, um, I, I think the 
in terms of critical analysis, I don't think there's much more to say about this episode. It's, it's mostly just a really funny, well-written show. I have to say, I'm kind of impressed. Like, the first episode, I feel like we were all very much like, that was funny, and that was funny, too. But I feel like this episode, we really dug into, like, yeah, we, yeah. We, we dug into the dirt a little bit. That's something I've been wanting to do, too, because... Me, too. It's, it's one thing to just kind of sit around and reminisce over funny lines, which we, we try to do, because it's... It is amusing, but yeah, I, I want to try and get into like meteor subjects about how these characters relate to other things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what else do we have to say? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I yeah. think I'm. I. What do you got? Oh, I was. I was going to go into next week's episode. Just talk about. Yeah, what we're going go to for do. it. Okay, so next week's episode, we are going to be discussing uh, Homer uh, with certain jobs. That's the theme: is Homer's jobs. And it's a theme so. we're. I think it's a theme we're going to come back to. Just like we might come back to the theme of sideshow Bob later. Yeah, on, th- th- but, there's uh, so many, so many episodes of both that we we can do multiple episodes, more than multiple. We can do we can do dozens. And these episodes were chosen completely uh, by accident. I was just, uh, it it was an accidental theme. Like he had, yeah. the, Nico had the theme ahead of time, but I I was just I, I was watching uh, Cape Fear and I wanted to watch others uh, other other. Uh, episodes and it's like the I, these ones just kind of fell into place and I, as i was watching i was like hey both of these work into the theme it's not <laughs> as literal as um uh, as i was expecting because honestly i was going to pick uh homer the astronaut or something like that but then i realized both of these count as homer in different jobs yeah so definitely so you, the the two episodes we watched uh were homer's barbershop quartet which is season five episode one and the other one is homie the clown which is season six episode 15 that one was also written by John Schwarzwelder, which is who's one of my favorite writers on Simpsons. Everything he's done, you know, he, he's great with visual visual gags. I just love his attention to detail in that way. So yeah, that's gonna be our theme for next week. Uh, once again, our music is brought to you by Okily Dokily, which is O Killy K I L L Y. The Ned Flanders theme nettle band, which I believe we're going to be using their music for this episode as well. And until we can, unless we can find something better, we're going to keep using them. Yeah, let's actually make a challenge out there for anyone listening. We'll mention this a couple times. If someone can make us a, a really cool uh, uh, Simpsons theme song, something that's not very long, less than a minute, please, just make us something super cool. Uh, more than likely, we'll use it. Like, send us some ideas. Uh, we're also looking for someone who might want to help us make a logo. Uh, here's an idea. Make us into Simpsons characters. Um, so if someone has something cool they'd like a, like us to hear and they think it'll be a little more specific to the No Homers podcast, fucking create a way. You'll get the credit. You'll get the glory. Go for it. Yeah, so uh, you can find Okili Dokili's music on their, on their Facebook page. Uh, they've been super gracious and we are very happy that we can use their music and check them out because they are very good. Um, so I think that concludes this episode. We will see you next week. Yep. Can, uh, where can people find us and find you? Oh yeah. Let's, let's do that because people need to hear my thoughts. (laughs) Um, you can find me on Twitter at Nico Aldrich, N-I-K-O-A-L-D-R-I-C-H and my website, NicholasAldrich.com. That is Nicholas spelled N-I-K-O-L-A-U-S. And uh, you can find me, uh, well, I'm on Facebook, so come just throw me an ad. But I'm on both uh, Twitter and Instagram at Michael underscore Vyers. I'm a lot more active on Instagram than Twitter. Mainly because I don't have a lot of followers on Twitter. So if you start following me, I'll start updating. 
And then uh, you can find me on my production company's website, accidentalconcussion.com. It's a little bare bones right now. You just mainly some like uh, blogs and some thoughts uh, working on putting my reel up there and probably getting some of my films up there to show. But uh, it's a work in progress website, but you can contact me there. And uh, yeah. All right, great. Well, we will be back next week while we record this episode right now so we will we will be back again all right bye-bye bye and now in the words of mr cole porter every time we say goodbye i die a little every time we say goodbye i wonder why a little every time we say goodbye